0: 1 Peter, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So I would not have picked this text as just something to preach on. I just wanted to Pick a topic that would be really fun and enjoyable to speak to. Uh, It's obviously too controversial today, everything that's written here. And also, I'm a single guy, so I really have no personal experience with what's in this text. What is the text that comes next in Peter's letter? And we believe that God inspired not just the words of the Bible, but also the order that they come in. And their power, relevance, and authority does not come from anything other than the author, God himself, not from me up here speaking. And although this text is controversial, it's not because people have all kinds of different interpretations of it. It's not because it's so hard to understand what is being said here. It's controversial because you can understand what is said here, and for the most part, we don't like it. This is actually one of the more straightforward texts that I've ever preached through. And by straightforward, I really mean that you can walk straightforward, verse by verse, line by line, and get the meaning pretty clearly. The most difficult thing about preaching this sermon will be to not obscure that meaning with too much explanation. So I'm going to go with just a very simple structure. There's three parts to this sermon. We're going to remind ourselves of the context where we've been. And then we're going to walk straight forward through this text. And then after that, we will look at some application. So let's start by reminding ourselves of the context. Now verse 1 and verse 7 both start with the word likewise. Other translations have it in the same way, or in like manner. And so you can ask, in the same way as what? Well, in the same way as what I was just talking about, Peter could tell us. In the same way as what I was just saying in chapter 2, verse 13, chapter 2, verse 18. Verse 13 is the is the heading verse of this whole section. Now, in your Bible, it it probably looks as though you've got a new section at chapter 3. You know, verse 13, There's a there might be a heading, something saying like, Submission to Authority, and then the heading over chapter 3 says, Wives and Husbands. But in truth, chapter 3 is not the start of a new section. It's the third point in a list that starts in chapter 2, verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And what follows are three human institutions and how Christians are to be subject to them. Verses 13 through 17, we have government. Be subject, whether it's the emperor or governor sent by him. Verses 18 through 25. We have servants being subject to masters, what we would now see as employer-employee relationships. And now in chapter 3, the third point of this three-point list is the institution of marriage. So that's why the title of this sermon is Submission and Authority, and the wives' and husbands' part is actually just the subtitle. Because everything that Peter says to wives and everything that he says to husbands is under the heading of chapter 2, verse 13, of submission to authorities. So now that we have that context in mind, let's look more closely at today's text. So as I said, we can walk straight forward through this text, line by line, and get the meaning pretty clearly. And that is going to be our method. I'm going to read a line and stop and ask a clarifying question, and then get the answer to that question by continuing to read. And I'm going to hold off as best I can from all explanation and all application until we've gone through the whole text. So I know you've all learned in school, or pretty much all of you, there's a few young ones, um, have already learned in school that you should have your eyes up on the speaker, right? Whoever's speaking, that's who your eyes should be on. And so that's what I'm going to ask you to do. The speaker is Jesus Christ through his word. So go ahead and put your eyes on that on your lap, on your phone, wherever you got it, open up and look down. Because, I'm not really gonna put anything on the screen anyway, right now, because the questions that I'm asking come from the text. The answers to those questions come from the text. It's all coming from the text. And once we've firmly established that, whatever the text says, then we'll look at the application, and I'll put some things back up on the screen, and you, know, you can look at those. But we need to know that this comes from the text, because this about wives and husbands is not coming from the 27-year-old single guy up here talking to you. You know, if someone came to me and asked me for advice on marriage, and I started the sentence with, well, in my experience... I should be laughed out of the room. That is nothing. In my experience, zero, zilch, nothing. I don't have experience here. I don't have advice for you here. And that's not what you're about to hear. And that's why I'm saying we're going to the text. This is not what I think, and this is not my experience. This is not even ultimately what Peter thinks just by himself. This is what God himself says. All right, eyes down on your Bibles. Here we go. Let's see what God says to wives and husbands. All right, so in your mind, right, we've got the context. It's submission to authority and human institutions. And we've seen how that works in governments and in employment. So now the question is, how does that work in Well, really, the most fundamental human institution, marriage. All right. Okay, Peter, how does it work in marriage? Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Okay, why? So that those who do not obey the word may be one. Okay. How can wives win their husbands if they don't obey the word? Well, without a word by the conduct of their wives all right peter and what kind of conduct is that respectful and pure conduct okay that's still a little vague do you have anything more to say do not let your adorning be external all right peter what's what what do you what do you qualify as external adorning what does that mean Well, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. All right, so what should wives do instead? But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. Okay, all right, Peter, how should wives do that? With the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Okay. Okay. So if the adorning isn't external, then who is going to see it? What's the point? Which, in God's sight, is very precious. All right, fair enough, Peter. But it's still not entirely clear how this works out in our day-to-day lives. So do you have any examples of how this is supposed to work out? For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. By submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Okay, sure, Sarah is a great example, but she's like a saint. I mean, we've barely just heard the gospel and turned to the Lord. It's not like we really have much in common with her, is it? And you are her children. Really? How? How can we be her children? If you do good and do not fear anything, that is frightening. Okay, now what about husbands? Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. All right, how do we do that, Peter? Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Okay, why? Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life and so that your prayers may not be hindered. Okay. Three, three spots of explanation after that little back and forth with me and Peter. So this text has been misunderstood and sometimes willingly misunderstood to mean something it does not, right? So I want to pay attention to a few of the areas where it could still kind of Maybe you misunderstood for us. This is not yet application. I'll let you know when we get there. The first misunderstanding is this. Is Peter really saying that women shouldn't braid their hair or put on jewelry or makeup? I mean, it it does say, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. So it does kind of sound like that. And it certainly has been used before to say that. But is that really what Peter's saying? Well, if I read that same verse from a little more literal and a little more wooden translation, it becomes pretty clear what Peter really means. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, and the putting on of gold jewelry or the wearing of clothes. I'll say it again. Literally, do not let your adorning be external, the wearing of clothes. Now we know Peter is not saying, don't wear clothes. So he's not literally saying, he's not actually saying, don't braid your hair, don't wear jewelry, and don't wear clothes. So what is he saying? He's saying your adornment, how you make yourself beautiful, is not ultimately on how you look on the outside. It's not ultimately on what you do with your hair or what you wear. It's the hidden person of the heart. With the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So, by all means, do your hair, wear jewelry, and please put on clothes. But that's not the focus. That's what Peter's saying here. That's not the focus. Okay, second misunderstanding. You are Sarah's children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening so how do you not fear anything that is frightening cuz it really sounds like peter is saying don't be afraid of anything that makes you afraid don't be afraid of what you're afraid of like if i said to him you know i'm i'm actually kind of afraid of climbing up rickety rickety ladders don't don't like it and he just responds well just stop being afraid there you go problem solved yeah thanks that's that's great no that is not what peter is saying okay again context we're looking at context here what what's peter doing what are we what are we talking about well it's authority and submission its husbands and wives and Husbands hold a lot of power over their wives. This is, this is a truth, right? Physically, emotionally, economically. Perhaps more so in Peter's day, but still true now. And in that structure, it would be easy for a wife to want to be subject to her husband out of fear. Fear of what might happen if she's not whether it be some kind of abuse or whether it be divorce, which would leave her completely destitute. So what Peter is saying here is, I understand that the motivation for those out there in the world might be fear, but that's not your motivation. Your motivation is not to be subject because you're afraid of what might happen if you're not. Your motivation, as Peter says it, is because you're Sarah's daughter and you're precious in God's sight. Third misunderstanding. The statement, the woman as the weaker vessel. What does that mean? Now, first off, just to clear up, vessel just a term used for human beings. It's not only used of women, so we shouldn't read anything into that. Vessel is just a way to to speak of humans. And if women are the weaker vessel, then, you know, men are also vessels. Peter's not saying anything special with that word. I just want to clear that word up right away. But then the question still remains, how is the woman weaker? Now, sure, on the whole, in general, yeah, physically, but that's not Peter's point. Again, look at the context, right? Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Again, if I read from a slightly more literal or more wooden translation, Husbands, Live with your wives according to knowledge, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. That phrase, in an understanding way, is just literally according to knowledge. So, what what knowledge is Peter talking about? Now, sure, there's just knowledge in general of how men and women are. We we have that pretty much by nature. We understand the difference. Um, I can make a lot of generalizations. I don't really have to. If you just watch the the young ones running around, you can tell the ones who are boys and the ones who are girls based upon how fast and how much damage you know gets done. Um, among many other things, but that's not what Peter's talking about. There's also the knowledge that is found in the rest of the Bible. Lots of lots of knowledge for husbands and wives, right? But again. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but what's the context? So imagine, which shouldn't be too hard because I kind of already did it, but imagine this isn't uh, a letter, but Peter is here and we're having a conversation. And Peter says, you know, according to knowledge. Husbands, live according to knowledge. And I'm like, well, what, what do you mean, Peter? According to knowledge, what kind of knowledge is that? And his response would be, haven't you been listening? Because Peter just spent these six verses telling wives what it means to be subject to their husbands and what it looks like and how to do it and what that is. So now, husbands, you were in the room when I said this, so you should, you should understand that this is what's going on. Husbands need to live with their wives knowing that their wives are trying to live according to the first six verses of this chapter. So again, the original question, how is the woman the weaker vessel? Well, husband, it's because she's obeying God's good design to be subject to you. She's not in charge. She's not trying to be in charge. She's depending upon God and obeying him. And what that means is she's depending upon you to obey him as well. So remember that. Be in charge. Don't wait for her to do it. She's not complacent. She's not indifferent. She's being obedient to God. Now this is starting to sound a lot like application, so let's go to application. I've really only got two points. Two points of application for the conclusion of the sermon. And the first one is this. Don't go outside the Bible to learn how to live in obedience to the Bible. I'll say that again. Don't go outside the Bible to learn how to live in obedience to the Bible. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean to put Christian bookstores out of business. Because what happens when we come across a command in the Bible, you know, if book sales are to be believed, what we do, at least in America, is we go to a bookstore and we buy a book where somebody tells us how to live according to that command. But what I hope that you've seen through just walking through the text, and honestly, I kind of hope This sermon was like, why did we even... I mean, I could have done that. It's like, yes, you could have done that. That's the point. The scriptures are clear to God's people. You don't need to go outside to some publisher that has 75 books on how to live a happy marriage. It's in here already. Now, I'm not saying... You shouldn't have other books. I've spent money on books when I probably should have bought food. So don't don't misunderstand me. I love books. But remember that this is God's word. God breathed. As is said in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, right? It is God breathed profitable for teaching for reproof for correction for training in righteousness why that the man of god may be complete equipped for every good work you don't need something else to be complete and equipped for every good work you don't need more information you don't need another book again don't get me wrong they're helpful but we don't need to be so quick to run to something else when it's right here. So when you're reading the Bible and questions come up, start asking the questions of the text and then just keep reading. Why? What do you mean? How do we do that? How does that work? What's the purpose? Why would you say it like that? Why say this and then follow it up with that? And then just keep reading. And if it isn't clear after reading it once, just go on back and read it again. And if it's not clear then, just go on back and just keep digging into it. It's clear. It's clear to those who put in the work. I should say to those whom God has renewed by his Holy Spirit. Now, secondly, trust and obey. I can say these things that are so greatly controversial because they're so plainly in the text. As I said at the beginning, it is controversial, but it's not hard to understand. And as we walked straight forward through it, We saw the meaning clearly there. Wives, be subject to your own husbands with respectful and pure conduct and the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, not out of fear, but because God is pleased with you. Husbands, remember that's what your wife is doing. Don't begrudge her for it. Rather, honor her for it. She's treating you like a leader, so lead. And these things are clear, but they're almost universally despised by the world and by our own flesh. And just as a callback, though, to Caleb's most recent sermons in the Gospel of John, remember what Jesus said three times over. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And this is his word. These are his commandments. This text here. And so, there's two options. There's obedience and there's disobedience. Those are the options. Choose this day whom you will serve. Will you follow the message of the world that is always telling you to listen to your heart, do what you want, or will you follow the way, the truth, and the life? It is a question of trust. Who do you trust? Do you trust that this hard saying is from your Savior Do you trust your Savior, or do you trust your own judgment more? And I'll tell you the answer to that, how you know whom you trust more is in who you obey. Now, obedience is hard work. There's no doubt about it. But trusting in your Savior to be your strength for obedience And he forgives your disobedience. And he empowers you every day to obey. As the hymn says, Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. We don't get Christ by halves. We don't get half of him the Savior part without the Lord part, right? We don't get the the part where he does something for you and doesn't have commandments for how to live. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Not just the ones that are easy, but the ones that are difficult. Not just the ones that the world likes, But the ones that the world outright hates and will probably even mock you for seeking to obey. But do you trust your Savior? Because He's the one who gave us this. Let's pray.